0: The academic illusion, IQ, college, and the myth of guaranteed success. Why college's promise of paving a path to a successful life is turning out to be a lie propagated by older generations, conventional wisdom, and academic professionals. Whether it's crippling debt or the inability to find a job, college graduates are feeling less and less rewarded for their hard work. Let's get into it. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Magnifying Glass Podcast. I am your host, Elena Moore, and I am joined today by the American Stoic. However, this is not an unlucky episode, as you might think from the number. Today, we are actually going to look closely into the myths of college, the struggles young people face, and what parents, grandparents, and older generations can do to support and help wake up the younger generation during this crucial point in their lives. So, before we start talking about a lot of the meat to this episode, I want to highlight some of the myths that are passed down from older generations. Something I was told a lot before I went off to college. And now, hindsight, of course, is 2020. I still hear it today, and it grates my nerves even more. So, let's get a few of these out of the way. The first one college makes you more intelligent.
1: I don't think that there's a dumber take on on this list that we're going to go through of myths that we're going to talk about. Uh, scientifically, obviously, just because IQ stays relatively the same from your childhood through your adulthood, and so it's obviously not going to make you more intelligent. What we do see is that there was a historical correlation between the more intelligent people were the ones that went to college. Whenever only two percent of the population had a college degree, so that. That causality, the, there was a correlation there, and that got miscontributed to a causality, which I think is probably what led to this myth. But just facially, this is one of the dumbest ones that y- you can hear. But it is still very, very persistent, particularly from parents and grandparents that are really trying to, you know, do the right thing by their kids and what they or what they think is the right thing by their kids, which ends up being a little bit harmful.
0: Yeah, I really feel like I lost a lot of brain cells, which just made me more angry after the fact of thinking, I just spent tens of thousands of dollars, or hundreds of thousands, however you want to look at it, to get dumber.
1: But I, okay. I, I, I agree. I think I probably... I think it probably was a net negative on my attention span and intelligence and critical thinking abilities just because of how inundated you are with stupid things from professors and classmates alike
0: and there was a video that went viral of something similar
1: yeah there was a video that was actually up on youtube a couple years ago but it's kind of recently last month or so made the rounds again of this this 18 year old kid probably from middle America, working class family. He joined the Marine Corps right out of high school, and he's part of this cast of six random strangers that are brought together, and and they're asked to rank each other based on where they think they will land on the IQ spectrum. And then they reveal, okay, now where do you actually rank? Which one of you is the smartest? Which one of you is the dumbest? Well, the group universally ranked this kid, this you know white veteran, joined the Marines right out of high school kid, as the dumbest and he ended up having an IQ of 131 uh, so top two or three percent of the population I believe. And in comparison there was a PhD student who worked in I think it was biotech engineering who was the dumbest one of the group but who throughout the process of whenever they were trying to rank each other was just pontificating about how, you know, smart she was, how demanding her job was, how demanding her her education was and how nobody, none of the rest of them could have done this. And so obviously she was the smartest. And then watching her get basically just dumped at the end of the line with one of the lowest IQs was funny, but it it, it does kind of go to show at this point. Uh, it just doesn't matter how big, you know, how good of a college you went to or or what degree specifically you have.
0: Or even how many of the degrees that you have, I hear so many people all the time, I have a PhD in this. I have a master's in this. I've got three PhDs in this. Okay, well, what does that actually mean? Congratulations, you have a piece of paper that you worked really hard of, hard for, but what do you have to show for it? Well, mm-hmm. uh, Really, it just seems like a lot of people go for higher education because they don't know what they're going to do with their lives, which is completely understandable because you're thrust into a system expecting to know exactly what you're supposed to do. But let's go ahead and jump into the next one. One that I hear a lot as well. College makes you have an open mind. Well, personally for me, I think I was probably open-minded going into college. I came out so narrow-minded it wasn't even funny.
1: not even narrow-minded, I came out cynical about the whole system. (laughs) Sitting there and, and whenever you have a professor who, instead of giving you the classics as a political science major myself, um, you had students who, rather than reading Plato, rather than reading Aristotle, rather than reading the great political thinkers that Western civilization was built on, you had an adjunct professor who graduated from Brown University four years ago, who. One of his classmates from one of his political science classes back at Brown University is now another adjunct professor at another university, and he wrote this paper about his perspective on one of the latest current political trends, and that is now your reading for the class. And so rather than digging deep, engaging with transformative literature that has changed Western civilization, you're now just gonna go read your buddy's class essay, basically is all you're going to read. And so it's impossible to go through four years of that and then not come out on the other side and just think, what's the point? What is the right. point of college? The way it is now, I agree, and I know Michael Knowles says this uh, from the Daily Wire that in theory, a liberal arts education would be a great thing. And I agree with this if it was done correctly. Right. But the, there is almost no institutions left in this country that do that properly. And so I think that if you go into college with an open mind, there's no way that you can graduate with even as equally an open mind, never mind improving your open mindedness.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I had I went to a liberal arts private school. I had one class that we read the Republic of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, you know, all that good stuff. I probably got more out of that class than I did the majority of my classes combined because it was very similar to what you're saying, just reading their buddies writing on why white people are terrible.
1: Mm -hmm. Or why eating should be uh, a justifiable coping mechanism for horizontally challenged people during a time of political strife when Donald Trump is president. I mean, the, the stuff that you can read in college would honestly blow the minds of anybody who is over the age of 40, just because academia has changed so much in the last 20, 25 years.
0: And you have to pay for these books, whether it's online or in person. I rented all of mine because I couldn't even afford to rent it. Mm -hmm. I,
1: I didn't even buy books half the time because I knew that I wasn't even going to be necessary and I wasn't going to read them anyway. And it, the whole thing is a joke. Uh, yeah. I, I cannot stress enough. College right now, again, for 95% of degrees. Again, there are some uh, aerospace engineering, things like that. There are valuable degrees that you have to go if you want to pursue that field. And I'm not in any way knocking those fields. But for the majority of kids today who either don't know what they want to do or they want to pursue something like marketing or political science like I did or, or anything like that, there's no real benefit from going to college. Because you're not going to learn any real-world skills. You're going to saddle yourself with debt, or you're going to work your tail off for four years to pay for your own way through school and still have nothing to show for it. But if you work that hard and you took that $30,000, dollars 60000 that you're going to put into your education, even that's just if you go to a state school for in-state tuition. Yeah. Forget about going to a private school or for out-of-state tuition. Mm-hmm. You think of what you can do with that. You can start a business for way less than sixty thousand dollars. And so I just think that the the return on investment for college is just not there anymore.
0: Yeah, you were really cynical in high school. I didn't think it could get worse. Oh
1: oh
0: how I had no idea.
1: Never bet against me. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, I learned that. All right, so for my favorite myth, our final last myth, of course, I saved my absolute favorite, the one I heard constantly still do. College is a necessary life experience. It's an experience. You going know what that for means. the experience.
1: I don't know what that means. Like I still what 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 type of experience is it?
0: I don't I don't know what type of experience it was supposed
1: to be. I don't, I, mean, I don't know if it if it's the academic experience or the sh- social experience. Either way, neither of them are good experiences. Uh, and they're definitely not necessary. I mean, to put the word necessary in front of a statement that is a strong statement there are very few things in this life that i would say are necessary right you have (laughs) according to this list right you have food water shelter and getting blackout drunk on tuesdays i mean that's just that's the list there's four things that you have to do i don't i don't understand the point here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, I think this is just – going back to the first point, I think this is just a generational misconception yeah. where you have people who, you know, they're in their 60s. They – during, you know, in their lifetime, whenever they were going to school, this was considered how you got a leg up if you wanted to be successful. Now, everybody has a bachelor's degree. And I it's have...
0: also how you meet your spouse. I heard that one a ton about them meeting their spouse. I hope not. And their significant. Absolutely not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if that's where you're looking, buddy, I have – some serious questions about your life choices.
0: Let's not do it. Okay. So what college actually is like, uh, the best way I can summarize this up to keep it short and sweet, the left does a great job at manipulating logic and integrating emotion. We'll keep it like that in college. Your grade now depends on defending, this manipulative logic and integrated misplaced emotion. Your friend group is defined by this as well. And then don't even get me started on roommates. Your comfort in your living situation highly depends on this and your beliefs as well. So even once you're done outside of the classroom, once you're done with your extracurriculars, where do you go home to? Most likely the same thing you were just shoved into all day.
1: It's amazing the amount of ways college bombards you with a secular, progressive worldview. Going back to the first point about manipulating logic and integrating emotion, perfectly said because that's exactly what happens. But also, I don't know if people really understand just how pervasive this is. I was taking a politics and film and fiction class in which I was basically forced to defend liberals and attack conservatives. There was a film that we watched in that class. I can't remember what the name of it was. It's, it's kind of a recent film. And in it, the elites, literally the elites, this is not me using current political jargon, in the universe of the, of the movie, the elites basically kidnap these everyday blue-collar Americans, drop them on an island, and then they proceed to hunt them. And so I basically took this... And we obviously I have to write an essay on this. So I took this and then I start uh, kind of dissecting how this re- relates to current political climate. You know, I, I think I brought up the, the weaponization of the IRS by the Obama administration in 2010 against the Tea Party. I, re- I, I received a failing grade on this paper. Me and my one friend in this class, really in school uh, that I had, we both received failing grades because we did not defend the liberal position in this movie. Mm. We were flat out told this, and so there is no freedom of thought. There is no dissension at all. You have to toe the party line. If you don't, you're not going to, in any way, have good grades, a successful social life, if you want to call it that. Which we can, you know, debate that another day. And then, and then again, as you said, if you come back and you have roommates that are just engulfed in this, then there is no relief from this. You're just inundated 24-7, and that's really, really damaging.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it affects you consciously and subconsciously. I took my freshman year an Introduction to American Government course. It should be easy, right? I mean, I've been around politics, studying that. That's been my favorite thing to read into growing up if I wrote a conservative paper, guaranteed C and below. If I wrote, and I tested this because I was new to the scene. I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I best work this? If I wrote an independent unbiased paper, I could not get anything higher than a B. The only way I was ever able to achieve a a B or higher was if I wrote a liberal paper. And that happened in my law classes, which, Politics shouldn't even really be a big
1: deal at that
0: point. You're just looking at legal basis. It, it really blew my mind, and it was really sad and depressing, honestly.
1: I really want to get on to this next point, but you, you bring up an interesting point there at the end about politics impacting what should be objective studies within the field, like law. I took a, a class from a, taught by a law school professor at the school, but he, he provided some undergraduate classes as well. Uh, race, color, and the Constitution, I believe it was called. Whew. and. In this class is again this is a a law school graduate who had never practiced law he had basically only been uh, a law school professor that's his only real world experience and he proceeds to absolutely denigrate Clarence Thomas he's black he's an elderly black man and he proceeds to denigrate every decision that Clarence Thomas made that, that he was involved in that we studied and I mean, I am a very big fan of Clarence Thomas. I think that he's one of the best Supreme Court justices that we've had in the last hundred years. And I actually gave a biographical narrative on him at, at one point in my life. Uh, but it was just amazing to watch that the vitriol that this these progressives had mm-hmm. for Clarence Thomas, somebody that, you know, based on his ethnic group, should be celebrated by them, They're, no it's all about politics. It's always all about politics. Just because his politics are bad, everything else gets out the window. And so it's just interesting because you see these these hierarchies of their ideology come through, and it just ruins every class. Even ones, like you said, that should be objective, mm-hmm. still ruins them.
0: So sad. So why is this part of life so crucial to forming the morality and beliefs of a young person? This I find extremely fascinating, Because like I said, you know, going into it, I was homeschooled all the way through. Just give that little backstory right there. I would say I was more open-minded, especially in high school, uh, because I was still forming my beliefs and everything, you know, I had where I came from, what other people thought, you know, but going to college really opened my mind to, you know, this sheltered bubble And they make you think that it's, you know, what the real world actually believes. And it really seems that way. If you're conservative, you are persecuted and you are made to feel like you are isolated and the only one. So CBS reported in 2013 that a new study to be published in Science on January 4th, so think about it, it's in 2013, uh, shows that while we may insist that we won't change our minds in the future, we're more likely to change than we think. Researchers surveyed more than 7,500 individuals between the ages of 18 to 68 who chose to answer an online survey questions at the end of a French television program about the secret of happiness. People were asked questions to determine their personality through subjects like conscientiousness and emotional stability and then told, were told to re-answer the questions as if they were 10 years older and 10 years younger. The past and future answers were then compared to people who were in corresponding age groups at the time of taking the survey. The results showed that people predicted they would change less over 10 years compared to the responses from those who looked back 10 years and realized how much they had changed. For example, 68-year-olds say that they had experienced modest personality changes over the past 10 years. So that's between like 58 and 68. While surveyed 58-year-olds predicted very little, if any, change in the coming decade, even though their own survey results showed they had changed their personality over the past 10 years, according to this study. So I find this really interesting because a lot of times we think we're solid. We think we know what we know. We believe what we believe and nothing's going to change that. But when you look back at it, we are nowhere close to the same person. I would say 10 years ago that we are today, especially at such a young age. If I had, if I look back at myself to when I was a young teenager, I see some similarities. I think my core probably didn't change, but I would say my beliefs definitely became stronger and more narrowed and understood. Like, I actually know who I am as a person now.
1: Well, you think you do. You know, well, 10 I years, think why I not? Do.
0: <laughs> right. So that just shows okay, we're constantly evolving individuals. When you take somebody out of their area, you know, it sometimes changes, which is where I want to go. In this New York Times guest opinion that was done by Dr. Lana Hortwitz in 2022. And it's a guest opinion written in the New York Times. And I guess that's a she hopefully is um, said that American men are dropping out of college in alarming numbers. Shocker. A slew of articles over the past year depicted, uh, depicts a generation of men who feel lost, detached, and lacking in male role models. This sense of despair is especially acute among working class men, fewer than one in five of whom completes college. As a sociologist of education and religion, I followed the lives of 3,290 teenagers from 2003 to 2012 using survey and interview data from the National Study of Youth and Religion and then leaking those that those data to the National Student Clearinghouse in 2016. I studied the relationship between teenagers' religious upbringing and its influence on their education, their school grades, which colleges they attend, and how much higher education they complete. But here's the interesting part that she goes on to say. However, teenage boys from working class families, regardless of race, who were regularly involved in their church and strongly believed in God, were twice as likely to earn bachelor's degrees as moderately religious or non-religious boys, End quote. We hear a lot about how boys are going to college less and girls are going to college more. What's the difference there? Well, you know, there's actually a lot more when it comes to, one, socioeconomic status, and two, their religious upbringing and how they were raised.
1: Well, I also think it has to do with what college, uh, it, how it's structured, I guess I should mm-hmm. say. Because the way that colleges, and this, and this goes through for K-12 through 12 education as well, is really not suited towards boys and, and young men obviously in college. And so the longer you go in that and then you factor in particularly whenever it comes to uh, the current curriculum I'll, I'll say in college where you have denigration of, of men particularly white men uh, and you have this whole victim mentality this victim hierarchy being preached basically by every higher institution of learning in the country. It's no wonder there's a lot of different factors that, that kind of lead guys to be more inclined to drop out. Not, not least of all, they're way more likely to become entrepreneurs as well. Mm-hmm. They have a higher risk tolerance, so, so they're way more likely to take that route. Manual labor, obviously, construction, uh, any of the sk- skilled trades, anything like that, all dominated by men, so they have a lot more options open to them if you want to look at it like that, that don't require a, a college degree. And then, and then, as you said, it, it's kind of interesting because I wouldn't necessarily think that religious, strongly religious uh, boys would be more likely to earn bachelor's degrees. You know, my, my intuition would almost kind of say the opposite. But yeah. I think what is probably important here, if I, had to, if I had to say, is if you are very strong in your beliefs, college won't matter. It's mm-hmm. not going to change you. You know, you might be annoyed by it, as, as I think we both were. You might be a little bit disgusted by, by it, by the process of it, by the constant cowtailing, the constant peer pressure, the constant appeal to authority that, that is levied on you. But it's not going to change you. I don't think either of us ever felt intellectually threatened or felt that any right. of our professors—actually, it's an interesting point. I don't think that I was ever impressed intellectually yeah. by any one of my professors— that's a real problem right because if you look at i've watched a lot of ted talks a lot of online lectures from college professors and the one thing that i find is that if i love the lecture if it's something that's important to me if it's an impactful one especially it always comes from somebody who i almost automatically respect and whose Mm -hmm. intelligence is almost automatically apparent and you just don't get that in college now
0: yeah, I would say the very few that I respected was in the my communications major because I was a double and I threw that bad boy on at the last minute just to get that grade point average up a little bit because my politics professors were so liberal and they knew my beliefs, especially after getting to know me a while. And there were a few good ones. I'm not saying there weren't. But I would definitely say the ones that I was most interested in was when we were not talking about politics. I did not know their beliefs. And they were actually teaching me something that I could use in my everyday life. But it's very hard to find that. And like I said, I went to a liberal arts private school. These bigger colleges, I mean, it was a struggle there. These bigger colleges, it's going to be even more difficult to find anything intellectually stimulating. It was hard for me. Mm -hmm. So what kids are going through, it's tough, it's rough. I mean, I know it was extremely difficult for me because I was working multiple jobs and having to deal not only with the peer pressure, the professor pressure, the life pressure, pretty much everything that you can think of. And there wasn't really much support except for my parents, I would say, especially my mom. And I think that's where the biggest impact comes into. And obviously this is my personal opinion and from what I've seen with most, but Liam and I, you know, we watched a lot of our homeschooled counterparts and what happened after we graduated high school. Liam, you may have a different opinion on this, but I would say the vast majority with the opposite direction of how they were raised or how it was perceived that they were raised. Let's say that because we don't know everything. I truly do believe that parents have a huge portion in shaping a young person's life. Your job, a parent's job is not over when the kid turns 18 and walks out that door i honestly think it gets more important
1: well i think that also and i think we we have different perspectives on this you know especially you know the male female dynamic i i think it at this point by the time i was kind of going through this i had found you know my group of friends that that I talked with more about this. So I would say that, that, you know, I I definitely wasn't nearly as reliant on my parents for, um, emotional or, or or any kind of intellectual support, whatever like that, things like that. I I went to, and I found other, other uh, guys that I was, that I shared perspectives and and worldviews with. Uh, but it, it it really comes down to the same thing as you have to have some type of safety net. You have to have some type of, uh, Support in this if you're going to go into this environment if you're going to go to college as a conservative Especially as a Christian, you know, you're going to be under attack Intellectually from your professors uh, a lot of social pressure from your peers. And so It doesn't matter who you go to it doesn't matter if it's your mom if it's your dad if it's your friends If it's your extended family, it doesn't really matter. It it just matters that you have it Mm -hmm. And so I agree the the role that parents play in setting their kids up for success is cannot be overstated because it it is weird because i have known many kids who have come from very good households uh, uh, maybe it wasn't right just from the outside from 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 the outside looking in it looks like you know quintessential homeschool christian conservative household and after 4 years of college They're going by they, them pronouns. And that's not an exaggeration. I know multiple kids that have done this. I I
0: mean, I had really close friends.
1: Yeah, and so. You know, there, and this is a, this is, a, this is definitely a generational difference. There's others about what, why college is important and all of that, that may not be, and this is 100%, and you cannot tell me otherwise, a generational difference of the prevalence of this type of ideology in the younger generation and just how pervasive and powerful it is. Because, you know, if you if, you, if I go and talk to my, my parents about, for example, transgenderism or whatever, and it's prevalence among my generation and among kids that they knew Right. whenever mm-hmm. I was growing up. These were kids that they knew. If I tell them about that, they just don't believe me. I'll yeah. show them pictures. They still don't believe me. You're making this up. This is AI generate, right? Whatever. <laughs> uh, it's, it is such a hard thing for the older generation to accept mm-hmm. that the, the kids are going through this, that they're accepting this, does, regardless of what they are brought up in, regardless of what their friend group was, regardless of their religious affiliation, or even maybe even how strong they were. going back to the the previous study about how strongly religious they were. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to see that with with some of these acceptance of of social trends because seemingly from some of the strongest Christian families is where these kids are are going from that one extreme of extreme Christian family with, you know, 10 kids to, ah, well, I'm a girl now. I, I was a guy, now I'm a girl.
0: Or even being a pedophile.
1: Or that, or that, you know, it's a dark topic. It is yeah. okay, and, and it's something that, especially for those, you know, who who like to attack Christianity. There's always seems to be that that avenue of attack that they like to take of of, of sexual deviance and, and and crimes within the Christian community, mm-hmm. and it's it's concerning because I know that parents. Who probably did their best to raise kids had them turn out in ways that they could not have imagined, yeah. whenever they started homeschooling these kids or started taking these kids to church, and and I feel really bad for them. You know, nobody's perfect. No parents are perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents are far from perfect. Okay,
0: right.
1: And so it's actually something that I've been been asking myself a lot: is what was it? What were the aspects of how I was raised that? Have stuck with me that made sure that I didn't go down this route mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I was that different from a lot of these kids that yeah. you know are now going through hormone replacement therapy and growing their hair out and putting on dresses and and that's we a little all bit did concerning.
0: Similar things together.
1: Yeah, growing like, up. Yeah, we were all we were around each other, you know, and I you know guys wearing cowboy boots now yeah. wearing high heels. Okay, Th- this is. Very, very strange things, and it's very disconcerting if you watch this happen around you, you know, and I've, I've thought about it, like, you know, what if, what if I have kids? How can I make sure that this doesn't happen to them, right? It's a serious concern, and, and I don't think that people who haven't experienced it personally, and especially if you're older, it, it, it's hard to explain because this is such a new phenomenon. You know, it's trying. To, it's like trying to explain the internet to somebody who was fighting in the Revolutionary War is literally how difficult this is. It just does not compute because 15, 20 years ago even, what was this? No, this wasn't a real thing. This was, you know, maybe a joke in some off-brand uh, adult cartoon, Maybe. But now it's just mainstream. And and I think 25% of our generation now identifies as some sort of LGBTQ plus, right? And so it went from zero to 100 real quick. And college has a huge huge role to play in that.
0: Yeah, because that's the only, because I have sat and thought about it for so long. How can people that were so close to us that we had such close relationships with, just go the, I mean, and we did the same things. That's what confused me so much. Mm did they end up just going the opposite direction and, and what was the impact of it all and, and that's why i came down to you know okay when i was in college what was happening because i went we went to similar colleges too i mean of course there's the difference between private school and in and, uh, and state school but i saw people that went to private school do the same things of people in state school so okay mm-hmm. what's going on here what's the breakdown
1: Well, I mean, I just have to say that I I don't know how pervasive it was uh, for your school, but, I mean, I would walk outside the library, and there would be furries, okay? Like, just, like, full-on furries, right? Standing out, doing some petition signing thing, right? Hmm. That is a weird thing to see, okay? That's—I still think about this. You know, you just have guys in Speedos with bodies painted in silver paint. It's just weird stuff, okay? And and going back to the whole idea that like, college is a necessary life experience, I didn't need to see that. I'd be happier <laughs> if I didn't see that, okay? It's just there's no real benefit to college. If I, if I, if I had to say, you know, if you, if you don't know what you want to do and you don't know what you're grounded in, you should not be going to college. Amen. Like that, that if you can't answer those two questions for sure, don't yeah. go.
0: I agree. And, and this is an interesting study to pop on top of it. When we, uh, when I was doing some research in the, the studies realm, so take it with a grain of salt, obviously, but I found this very fascinating. The Cut in 2017 wrote an article about it that was entitled what shapes your beliefs at 1835 and 50. They stated that according to a 2009 study in the journal of politics, parents, who are more politically engaged and have consistent views on political issues tend to sway their children's politics more than parents who are less politically engaged or those who change their opinions on issues. Parental opinion also may influence some political topics more than others. Parents' views are especially influential regarding issues with a clear moral component like prayer in schools. The question is which influences win out when parents' political opinions clash with the surrounding environment. In his study, leone's ad- analyzed a data set tracking the par- partisan identities of almost 700 people at the age of 18 in 1965, age 35 in 1982, and age 50 in 1997. Afterwards, he examined how strongly certain variables, like parents' beliefs, spouses' beliefs, and the political leanings of the counties where participants lived, influenced the likelihood that someone would be Democrat or a Republican. This was his conclusion. The older we get, the more important political environment becomes. To test the strength of each variable, Lyons used a seven-point scale, running from strong Democrat to strongly Republican. A participant's position on that scale at age 18, he found, was closely tied to the parent's political beliefs. A child with a strongly Republican mother, for example, would be an average of 2.25 points, more conservative than a child with a strongly Democrat mother, while father's political beliefs led to a 2.5-point shift. By contrast, the red or blue identity of an 18-year-old's home county had almost no effect on their affiliate, own affiliation. End quote. I find this really fascinating because it shows that, okay, you may live, let's say, for example, I live in a, a Democrat county, what impacts me more the environment that I live in or the parents that I am surrounded by and it really is the parents that form and it to take it even a step further what they stated in the beginning of this study which was the flip-flopping on political beliefs if your parents are flip-flopping you're going to have more they're going to have less of an impact on you but if your parents have a very strongly held beliefs that do not move are impassable. They are most likely going to affect you even more. So what would I recommend for parents, especially grandparents, older generations? You don't just have to be a parent to influence a young person's life. Trust me. The first one I would say is listen, reach out, listen to that young person, ask what's going on in their day. Use that Socratic dialogue, get it going. Find out what they're going through, what they're dealing with, all those sorts of things. Ask those questions. That would be the second thing. The other thing is you could start maybe talking a little bit about your experiences or redirecting a little bit to, okay, well, how did that make you feel? Or, or what do you actually think about that when you compare your situation or, or what you're seeing here to, you know, a different situation. The biggest thing I would tell you is have patience. My mother, had so much patience with me when I was going through some of the most difficult things that I've ever experienced in my life to date, at least. But I would strongly suggest you have to have patience. So many uh, people in older generations right now that are older, let's just say older than young people do not have patience. I am so tired of hearing about older generations complaining how stupid these
1: young lazy kids just don't want to work anymore
0: i'm sorry i can't don't have 10 cents to pay for a whole house right now i wish but now it's an average of four hundred thousand. so
1: yeah with an eight percent interest rate so you're actually going to end up paying like 1.2 million over the course of your 30-year mortgage
0: throw debt on top of that from the college that gave you all those amazing life experiences. And you're set for life to go into a job that I don't know, starts at what $30,000 if you can get something that good. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's even hard to find these days.
1: Yeah, no, the job market right now for college graduates, I know I'm kind of backing up here a little bit, but terrible, it is absolutely terrible. Having a college degree, having a bachelor's degree at any point, at, at least means nothing. And so I think you're seeing a lot of, again, this generational disconnect where these old people, I say that derogatorily, I didn't mean that, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that, where the older generation does not necessarily understand the struggle that the new college graduates are facing, whether it's finding a job, buying a house, starting a family, being able to save money, any of that, it does not happen on the same playing field. If you look at the amount of money it takes, the percentage of your income necessary to buy a house from 1980 to now, it's gone up by 250 percent so you used to be able to buy a house for about 18 percent of your average monthly income now you're looking at closer like 35 to 40 percent that is not tenable and so I get it but as you're right patience is important here whenever you're talking about younger people people who are either going to college in college or just graduated college the struggles are a little bit different and they're not great at communicating them. I will say, this is this is something that the older generation is, has some legitimate criticisms, 100% mm-hmm. of the younger generations. And one of the great ones is they are not good communicators yeah. at all. And so they really struggle with that. Um, but you're right. There there just needs to be a better dialogue between the different generations here so that we can really kind of understand and figure out what the problems are and, and how we can address them. and then, And then get some of the advice from the older generations because they do have more life experience.
0: Right. We could use it, trust me, but, you know, being torn down is going to have the opposite effect of what you mean on the vast majority of people in the young generation because we are being brainwashed in college, in school, and then we have to get a job that pushes the same agenda most likely if you want to get any sort of benefits from it. Just saying. So thank you for joining us today on the Magnifying Glass Podcast. We delve deep, bringing the overlooked into focus and magnifying the stories that matter to you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and share, helping us shine a light on even more discoveries. I'm your host, Selena Moore, and remember, sometimes the smallest details make the biggest difference. Until next time, keep looking closer.